This is To The Last Drop. I'm Liam Delcom. And I'm Brendan Nell. Welcome to episode two. Today, uh, we're looking back at the Springboks win in, at Loftus Fersfeld. We, uh, we look at Eddie Jones's outburst and calling a journalist a smart ass. We talk to the journalist in that, in that situation as well about what happened. And we look at the All Blacks win in, in Mendoza against Argentina. And then the big game this weekend, the Springboks versus the All Blacks, virtually the final of the rugby championship. Don't be a smart ass. <laughs> Okay, first up, we're going to talk to uh, Ken Borland, who's the, the journalist who Eddie Jones uh, you know, referred to as the smart-ass this weekend. I'm sure everybody's probably seen the video by now, but if you haven't, he has a quick uh, audio reclip of it, and straight after that, we'll talk to Ken. Uh, yep. Eddie, you uh, expressed your disappointment during the week that you weren't playing the first choice Springboks up. Well, I, I Changed a bit of relief now? No, I'll tell you what, yeah, I could add it, mate. South Africans are good at winning, okay. so you don't have to be a smart-ass, mate. <laughs> so yeah, the biggest news of the weekend wasn't so much the Springboks beating the Wallabies, but um, Eddie Jones's outburst at the press conference. Both of them, you and I were both there, and we were in the room. I have to say that we we kind of predicted something like this um, on last week's show. Um, at, you don't just get the Wallabies when uh, when when they are in town; you get Eddie Jones as well. So um, yeah, we 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 got both last week. <laughs> we did, and and a certain journalist who's joining us now. This podcast, a certain smartass, uh, Ken Borland, uh, who, who, if you didn't know, he was the guy who asked that question that sort of got Eddie a bit hot in the collar, which is quite surprising because, you know, Eddie gives it as much as he gets it. So, um, a lot more, in fact. And, uh, yeah. so yeah, Ken, how does it feel to be, uh, the world's number one smartass at the moment? Well, I kind of blame you two because, uh, I was sitting next to Liam in the rugby test and as usual, he was, he was inspiring me with all sort of Eddie Jones comments. Um, I think we both, we all love and, and, and respect Eddie greatly, old, uh, odd job. Um, and then, of course, Brendan, it's your video that went around the world. You're the guy who, if it wasn't for you, you know, I would just be nicely anonymous and, and it would just be, you know, no one would have known about the incident. So, yeah, it's uh, look, look it, it's a great honour to be, to be called a smart ass by by someone who I I reckon is the the, the chief smart ass of the all. I mean, is, of them all, is there anyone who's more of a smart ass than Eddie Jones? Yeah, you obviously came armed with that question. So um, yeah, Eddie Eddie obviously uh, didn't take kindly to it, and I wonder if you'd have had the same reaction had they lost by a point or by two points. I don't think I would have asked the question then, Liam. To be fair, I mean, I think. You know, they were soundly beaten. I mean, I mean let's be honest, the Springboks left yep. some tries um, on the table there. Um, and the fact that the Wallaby, I mean, they scored, if you think about it, they, they scored the first try of the match, I think it was after about eight minutes or something, and then they scored again in the 81st minute. Um, so between that time, the score was 43-0 to South Africa. <laughs> so, I mean, that was a hiding. So, you know, if you're going to talk smack before the game about taking down the Springboks and now you're upset that it's a half-baked Springbok team and you get clapped like that, then, uh, you know, I think you deserve some comeback. The other thing is is, is that a lot of people don't realise is it was probably the Australian media who started all this stuff because um, earlier in the week there was a question to Rossi and them about disrespecting the Aussies by picking a B team. And that was asked in the Springbok press conference. Yeah, I remember. And I also was very interested um, 
Because in that press, uh, uh, I mean, I think I asked Rusty and Jacques Nienaber about Eddie Jones's mind games, and and I thought Rusty gave a very made a very interesting point that that he believes a lot of the time Eddie does these things not to um, throw the opposition off, but for his own team to somehow sort of motivate them and and get them up uh, in some way. So you know, I I don't know if he thought. Telling his team that the Springboks had disrespected them would get them up, you know, would would motivate them more. Um, but it certainly backfired quite spectacularly. The one thing I suppose the last question we need to ask you there is as well is how's the reaction been on your side? I mean, we've all seen the comments. I've seen the comments on my videos, um, and the various various uh, takes, mostly positive towards you, but from one or two that feel that you were disrespecting him. How's your reaction been? I've only actually seen one uh, negative uh, comment, and it's it's from someone who seems to have a problem with journalists in general. <laughs> so I'm not too. They don't have to find it these days, are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it's been quite nice actually to have all the positive feedback, and uh, um, it, it, it's been a lot more pleasant than I think the last time when when my comments had sort of uh, 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 big reach, which, which was during SJN, uh, when my comments were not nearly as uh, as popular maybe as this time. <laughs> Our show's not long enough for you to delve into that uh, at this moment, Ken. Probably best left uh, undelved, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. Ken, while we've what what here... did surprise me the other day was because I, I offered Eddie a bit of a, an out when he was having a go at you because I, I tried to ask a question after he had a go. And then he started answering me. And then couldn't help himself but to turn his head back towards you and sort of exactly. include you in the answer he was giving me. You took a team to Carisbrook many years ago after yeah. defeated Loftus. Are you looking for a similar performance next time? Yeah, no, 100%. We'll bounce back. Like, we were well and truly beaten today by a Springbok side. That old mate's calling the B team, right? So I never knew there was a Springbok side that was called the B team. But now we have a new term. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. You don't have to be a smart-ass, mate. Exactly. I, I mean, he could have just left it where it was, um, answered your question, end of press conference, left it there. And, uh, and, I mean, I think most people would have probably then just forgotten about it. Um, yeah. The fact that he decided to come back for more, I think, is <laughs> what turned it into an issue. Well, thank, Ken, thanks for that. And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining our podcast. It's uh, an honour and a privilege, guys. Thanks very much. And, uh, yeah, all the best. As always, we have a bowl of wine, and today we've got something from the Himmel and Arda Valley, where our producer Mavula is from. So we brought it just for him. It's uh, Seven Springs Syrah, uh, one of my personal favourites, Liam. So let's open it a little breathe. Yeah, I didn't go pop because it's got a it's got a screw uh, function to it, <laughs> and we don't have a corkscrew here today. That's the other thing. So a screw top is always better than very functional, Brendan. Yeah, yeah. So while that, that while we let that breathe, let's have a look back at the uh, Loftus Fairsfield Test. Uh, a huge win by the Springboks. Uh, I think a lot better than we all expected. I think we all expected a good performance, but with all the talk of the B team this week and uh, you know the, all the comments from Eddie, we knew we were going to get something. We did get it at the, <laughs> the press conference, but. On the field, uh, the box were rampant. They were. It was an emphatic win in the end, and there certainly were uh, some questions before the test about um, how effective that lineup might be, because obviously uh, 13, 14 players were dispatched uh, to Auckland last week, uh, and obviously questions around some combinations that were untested um, in in the Loftus test. But of course, I mean, if you look at that performance, uh, the box looked like a well-oiled machine. 
uh, they explained afterwards that they'd been together for a couple of weeks so um, it wasn't as if the guys were thrown together you know on the eve of the game so they played with a lot of co- cohesion especially up front uh, and then of course you've got that dynamo uh, in the back three Kurtley Ahrens who continues this remarkable scoring spree uh, what's it now? Ten tries in eight tests or something. Yeah. A trick of tries last week. So if you've got a pack going forward um, and you've got uh, three quarters to seize uh, the opportunities that come their way, uh, it's got the makings of a, of a Bach performance that, uh, you know, as we say, was quite emphatic and the Wallabies thoroughly put to the sword. Yeah, I think the, we mentioned Kurt, he was the obvious standout man of the match, three tries. There's a corner there in Loftus now is becoming the KLA uh, corner, Kurti's corner. Uh, but uh, yeah, if I think of other players that put their hands up, Marco van Staden was mm. exceptional. In fact, two of his big carries led to two of Kurti's tries. Uh, Andre Estes in the mid- midfield was the real agent of chaos, as they call mm. him. And yeah, there's a couple of other guys. Valeriu was very instrumental at the back. Marnie the Bok had a great game as well. Uh, and and then yeah, John Klein, Peter Steff, mm. the toy. Arches Neyman when he came on there was and Grant Williams when he came on injected yeah, some speed so dynamo. Th- there was so much good for the Springboks in that and so much they could leave for, for Auckland with uh, you know, on, on, on the high but uh, that's the good the, the, the bad was probably the Wallabies they were way off pace and Eddie's got a lot of work uh, cut out for him and then for me the ugly was um, Unfortunately, Loftus didn't have any water uh, during the game, so you can just imagine 50,000 people. Well, and there was certainly enough brandy, Brendan. <laughs> well, that's part of the other part of the problem, because as we've probably seen on social media, there was a big fight that broke, broke out as well, which you know wasn't great. And then we've heard uh, one of our colleagues, Derek Albert's uh, phone was pickpocketed, and there was a couple of people that were hit by this sort of gang of pickpocketers that sort of moved through the stadium as well. Yeah, that that's all doesn't isn't great for a Springbok test, and mm. I'm sure they're going to have a look at that they better they ought to do that um, news that they are not going to do anything about those brawlers um, is disappointing because I think uh, with the technology we've got at our disposal these days that uh, one can certainly uh, you know you can track people down yeah. if, you, if you have the if you have sufficient will to do so but apparently word from the bulls is that there's there's not much they can do which is disappointing because if I were to take my family to to Loftus, whether we're going to sit in a suite, whether we're going to sit in the main stand or the eastern stand, uh, I expect them to be safe. So um, they need to tidy up the act. Yeah, and I always think of it, you know, from 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 just another point of view, from a kid that's sitting in the stand, yep. your dad gets involved in a fight like that. How do you how do you look at yeah your your parents like that? And how do you look at friends and and you know, the colleagues that get get involved in things like that? I don't know. I think you pay a lot of money for the games. And unfortunately, I mean, we all, we both probably saw a couple of people who had uh, had a bit too much uh, fun before the time and had mm. a bit too much brandy before the time. And I'm not sure how they what they remember of the test, but it probably wasn't much. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not it's not great. And and I mean, I, we all want to enjoy ourselves and we all want to enjoy a drink at the game. But yeah, there is a line, and some people cross that line way too easily. Yeah, look, you want people to have fun. Uh, but I mean, there is, as you say, there is a line that you shouldn't cross. Uh, but, but unfortunately, we have seen this time and time again. Uh, there, there are just some folks who, 
uh, they go to these matches and it's almost as if that is what they want to do. It's almost as if this, they are going to pick a fight with somebody. Uh, <laughs> and then, I mean, those people should be banned. I'm sorry. Yeah, and look far from us to, to preach because we're going to be enjoying some wine now while we're doing this podcast. But uh, far, to, far from us to preach about alcohol, etc. But uh, drink <laughs> responsibly. I think that's the, that's the key word there. Speaking about being responsible, I see Sam Kane's owned up of, of, of uh, tripping <laughs> the fan. And there's a, as, as New Zealand does, there's a way, way overblown outcry about yeah. that. Uh, which I think is quite bizarre, to be very honest. I have to say that when I saw it initially, I thought, oh, fair play on Sam Kane. I mean, because pitch invaders, once you cross the, the, the boundary, once you're on the field of play, you basically, you're not entirely sure what's going to happen. I mean, but this is something that you've brought on to the spectacle that's unfolding in front of you. So, uh, you know, he lashed out by, you know, sticking a leg out and this person fell down, got up and continued running. Um, but yeah, you actually don't want players or officials in that situation to get involved in that. Yeah. They're supposed to be security personnel uh, to douse those fires. Uh, in this case, this person conveniently ran past the All Blacks captain and he decided to stick a foot out. Well, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think about that as well. I mean, he could have done a Johnny Bairstow and just picked the guy up and then maybe slammed him over the boundary or something like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you take your, your, as you say, you take your fate into your own hands if, yeah. you, if you do that. And uh, to be very honest, I mean, yeah, you get what you deserve. And I think, yeah. All this outcry in New Zealand about Sam Kane, I think we sit here and we think it's quite funny. Yeah, and, uh, and also the, the person who, the perpetrator or the intruder, uh, is getting now far too much airplay than, you know, yeah. uh, should be given to a person like that. Because, you know, in some cases, maybe that's exactly what people want. Exactly, exactly. On on the field, the All Blacks were impressive, extremely mm. impressive in the scrum. And you know, I've still been sitting wondering, were they that good or were the Pumas just that bad? Uh, I th- I've got a, not a theory, but... I think something that played a significant role, um, you know, on Saturday was the fact that the Pumas, as a team, uh, hadn't been together for for that long. Uh, they were chucked together sort of two weeks before that test. Now you compare that to the luxury the, the All Blacks have, the Box have, and maybe even the Wallabies, uh, where guys can get you know they spend four, five, sometimes six weeks together over a couple of months. They didn't have that luxury. Their players, their top players, play all over the world. And uh, their head coach, Michael Checker, you know, would have had to work miracles in the last two weeks to prepare them for an All Blacks test. That's probably the, the All Blacks have always played well in, in Argentina. So that would have been a bit of a nightmare scenario for him. So I think that certainly plays a role. I mean, I don't want to uh, sit here and say the All Blacks uh, didn't play well. Of course, they played well and they deserved that win. But I think as far as the Argentine performance is concerned, uh, they were probably a little bit undercooked. Yeah, and I also think it's one of those games where you know, things start going right for the All Blacks. A referee, especially the Australian referees, Angus Gardner, and this is not a not bagging the referee, but sometimes referees get this in their head that the one team's doing everything right and the other team just can't buy a penalty. And mm. we, uh, we saw Montoya in a couple of times in that game go to the ref and say, it's just not consistent, the rulings. And at times he had a point, but you know, it's one thing saying that, but when the All Black team gets on the front foot, they're very mm. hard to stop. And I think that's just what happened. I expect a, a much better game. It's going to be interesting in the game in Sydney because uh, both teams really coming off bad losses. So yeah. it would be interesting to see who gets it right. And Eddie Jones and Michael Checker, two two gentlemen <laughs> who will definitely dominate the airwaves ahead of that test again. Yeah, and I suspect one of them post-match uh, <laughs> it's going to be pretty grumpy as well. So, so strap in for that. Yeah, and that's the end of part two. Now we're going to come back and we'll talk about the Springbok team that was named, uh, one of their strongest teams, and you know, playing in Auckland, how difficult that is for the box. 
Okay, let's, let's sample the wine. Now, Liam's pouring a lovely glass of wine from here. Liam, uh, seeing as the box in Auckland this weekend, let's uh, beg the question as we go into this section um, of exactly how late is it that you, how early can you open a bottle of wine? Uh, well, somebody will say, well, it, it may be sort of 9.30 in the a.m. if you're going to watch a Springbok test in New Zealand uh, for South African viewers. Um, that it's, you know, 10, 11, 12 hours, uh, you know, ahead in New Zealand. So that, that that gives you license to open a bottle of wine. But, I mean, I, I don't particularly subscribe to any of those those rules. Um, you know, if the wine is there and it's there to be consumed um, and you feel up to it, then yeah. why the hell not? Well, I mean, you can always vary it and maybe have a champagne breakfast. Yeah, well. yeah. Uh, um, yeah. There's lots of things you can do. It's like in cricket. You, you basically pick off the singles, uh, you know, as you start, <laughs> get a feel for it, and then... You know, you can, uh, you know, reach for the boundary a little bit later. Open your shoulders as, as with every Springbok try, so to speak. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, the boxer in Auckland this week, they've named it a team, pretty much the team that we expected. Uh, yeah, very much their frontline uh, players. Uh, Vili Leroux, the Kanyo Am, um, both, of, both of them in. The front rows the same as well, which was a bit of a – I thought Malcolm Marks might get a start in, in, in Auckland. I thought so too, but then if you think about it, there's probably the temptation to play that front row from last weekend, keep that intact because they did go more than okay. Uh, got a lot of front football. So keep that intact. Uh, and then we, we've seen over the last couple of seasons Malcolm Mark stepping off the bench and making a considerable contribution, um, not just in the scrums, but in the tight loose. He's, he's obviously... Um, bit of a terrier when it comes to turning over possession as well. Uh, and late in a game, that is absolutely key. So that that selection, again, is understandable. Uh, the fact that he went over with that advance party probably threw uh, a bit of a curveball, but uh, you can understand that he's, he's mm-hmm. will be playing off the bench this week. I think the thing that hit me the most, and I think we're the box's biggest strength there, we know what, uh, this is the same, basically the same team that's you know, won in 2018 and, and 2019 drew there. But that bench, that 6-2 split on the mm. bench, if you look at those forwards on there, Dwayne Vermeulen, Peter Steff de Toy, uh, Thomas de Toy, Vincent Koch, Malcolm Marks, and I'm missing one now, I'm thinking of the, the other of these forward, uh, it would be Archie Sneeman. That's Erge, the one I'm Erge missing. Sneeman, yeah. You put those six guys, those six guys would probably walk into every single Springbok, uh, well, any national team worldwide. Yeah. And to have that quality of a forward pack on the bench, and then Grant Williams' pace and, and Moni the Bok as well. I mean, that really gives the Bok some real good impetus in that second half. Mm, absolutely. Uh, from conversations earlier in the season when the box was still uh, in camp, uh, leading up to to the international season, uh, th- there was the the point that was stressed by the coaches that they are looking for versatility when they put their World Cup squad together. And I think what we've seen now already is you've got players like Damon Valimsa uh, and Grant Williams, and there are others. I mean, you can chuck Cheslin Colby in different positions as well. Uh, players will give you the luxury to go with a six-two split um, because you have to have, as they always say, you have to have like for like. Um, replacement certainly uh, among the forwards, so that you don't uh, compromise your your output at all. Uh, but among the backs, we're only going to go with two backs that you have players who are interchangeable and obviously adaptable. Um, and again, you know that selection, the guys available to them, gives them that opportunity again. So if if I'm a coach coaching against them, it'd be a bit of a nightmare because to predict what they're going to do, 
um, is very difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. If Even if it doesn't work this weekend, it's always a tool for the Springboks to use when they mm-hmm. feel that they can use it. I was speaking to another colleague of ours as well, Kevin Rich, and I was saying to him, we're almost at that point now. We, we used to be envious a couple of years ago when the All Blacks used to bring you know, the, the two different teams. They'd send the mm. one to Argentina yeah. and the one to South Africa. And you know, the box have almost got themselves into a point now where they've got just as much depth. They can play two two different teams mm. on consecutive weekends on two different continents. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a very strong side. And in, in many ways, it's, it's a predictable sort of starting uh, 15. If I have a slight concern, it would be around goal kicking. <laughs> so with, with Andre Pollard um, obviously not available due to injury, uh, we're back in the same territory we were last year where, to be fair, um, in the first instance, it sort of bit them in the back against Ireland uh, where the box left quite a few points out there uh, with a couple of guys having a, a, you know, a potted goal. But the following test, you know, against France in Marseille, uh, the box went blemish-free of the tee uh, in that test. So it, it worked out for them then. Uh, you know, the kicking, well, goal kicking certainly wasn't that important against Italy uh, but, and against England, you could probably argue as well. Um, so, yeah, if I have a slight concern, it would probably be that because I think the All Blacks probably a little bit more settled in that mm. department. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what the, if they play Damon McKenzie again at fly-off. That would be mm. interesting. But one of the Barretts will play, and they'll probably kick from their side. The box, of course, have some other options. Uh, I mean, Cheslin can kick, Faf mm. can kick. But to be honest, neither are really recognized at test level. They've done it at club level. And that's the problem. And Damon Willems is a, is a great player, but he's also a confidence player. And we've seen his head dip, him and Monty Lebock, if they miss a kick or two, their head dips a bit and it affects the rest of their play. Mm. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but it's gonna it's shaping up to be an epic test in Auckland. Mm. Yeah, look, if things uh, off the kicking tee doesn't work out for them in the first half, there's obviously the option of getting money on earlier than maybe they anticipated. So, you know, there is, from that perspective, a plan B. And, and then just looking around, I mean, uh, yeah, the, I think you know, a lot of people maybe don't understand how difficult it is to play in Auckland. Well, the records probably speak for that themselves. Yeah, they're not playing at Eden Park, so mm. in one way they're probably protecting their record there against the box. <laughs> uh, but uh, in another way, I mean, just yeah, you can understand why the box sent the guys over because we've both done that trip. It's a horrible twelve-hour Qantas trip, or even if if you if you're well. just unlucky enough to, to do the Singapore version, then you get there, you leave Sunday, and you get there on Tuesday afternoon, and you feel like you're in another time zone, another mm. world. Basically. Yeah, yeah. If when you leave here, it's I think it's QF six four. That's the flight yeah. number, isn't it? Infamous. <laughs> All the Super Rugby teams over the years uh, would be familiar with QF64, departing Johannesburg for Sydney. And yeah, it's it's a long haul. Um, and then you arrive in Sydney sort of late afternoon, uh, have to s- sit in transit for about three and a half hours, yeah. you know, or close on three hours, um, before you board for Auckland or Christchurch, depending where you're going in New Zealand. And that's another three, three and a half hours. Um, and invariably, if you've been on that Qantas flight, you get to New Zealand uh, after 11 in the evening, yeah. which means you're gonna, if you're lucky, you're going to get your hotel around midnight. Um, and your body is speaking different languages to you because it's just, yeah, part of you wants to sleep. The other part says, no, you know, we need to stay up and sort of tie yourself out a little bit more and then you sleep. Um, so, yeah, you, you have this sort of uh, conflicted body when you arrive there and uh, you need to sort of yeah, uh, sort yourself out over the next few days because you, you, the first two days you're a zombie. 
And inevitably, if you know us as well, then uh, we do try and tie ourselves out. Uh, we normally find a yes. place to have yes. uh, something to to just you know take the edge off. And mm. um, yeah, we ended up end up coming back quite late to the hotel, and we make the most of it. But it does affect you the next day, and and the combination of maybe having one or two drinks and and jet lag is not always the nicest. And then of course you got you've got the game, and and yeah, Auckland is notoriously not great towards visiting teams anyway. Uh, I, I mean, one of the most bizarre t- games, and I'm sure that our, our, our listeners will probably remember this, is uh, the time that Bismarck du- uh, du- Duplessis um, had this amazing tackle on Dan Carter, and then got yellow carded for it. And I remember sitting there, and all the New Zealanders around me, and I was with one of our friends, Louis De Villiers, who, um, of course, is very quiet and calm and c- composed. <laughs> <laughs> press box and, and I, I got quite upset and I wanted the referee uh, to talk to the referee and they were all like stunned like why we why would we want that because this is what happens and yeah and, and I mean things like that happen when you play the All Blacks mm. in Auckland the, the, the most bizarre stuff happens against the visiting teams yeah, it's maybe coincidence, but it just everything mm. seems to go the All Blacks way, and you need to be about twenty percent better than them to actually win a test there. Oh, absolutely! It is exceptionally tough. I mean, it's it's um, it's, it's the cold. It's the it's the, 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 the sort of no, I won't say hostility. It is hostile, but it's not. You know, I, I can imagine what it's like for visiting teams who go to Loftus, for instance. Uh, so there is an element of hostility, I suppose. But um, it is it, it's a very tough place uh, to win at because also in the build up to the test. The entire country seems to be consumed by this one game. In fact, as journalists, as you arrive there and they ask you what, what's your purpose, why are you visiting New Zealand, and you explain why you're there, then that person who's supposed to stamp your passport is the first person that week will tell you, oh, mate, you've got no chance. <laughs> yeah. No, and then and then the next one is usually um, the receptionist at the hotel who <laughs> who will tell you how 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 your tight head's going to suffer and. Um, <laughs> And she hasn't played any rugby at all, but she knows the ins and she outs of tight head play. So, um, yeah, uh, you, you certainly get the, the feeling. But it's a wonderful country to tour, a beautiful country. Uh, but it is a tough place to play for the box. Any rugby fan uh, should go to New Zealand to sort of soak all of that up. Uh, and by the same token, uh, Wales is another destination yes. if, you're a, if you're rugby mad to experience a, sort of a test match week. Yeah, and I think uh, <laughs> they probably said the same about Loftus uh, <laughs> with all the brandy. But <laughs> yeah, um, well, okay, let's look at the game now. It's going to not being played at Eden, Eden Park, it's at Mount Smart Stadium. Mm. Um, strange venue. Not, uh, I don't think the box even even know how how that venue plays. No, they don't. Uh, they've got absolutely no idea. Uh, I, I know but they will put out the the party line, and the party line would be like, it doesn't actually matter where we play New Zealand as long as we play, because it's a huge privilege. Um, so, yeah, we can't say anything about how the wind will swirl or what, anything about the surface. We, we just don't know. Uh, so, But in that sense, also, it's a journey into the unknown for the All Blacks. Yeah, it is. And, uh, well, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I think I think you know I know we all want, want this game to we want the box to win this game but um I suppose in the, there's a bigger picture and they're going to play each other again at Twickenham mm. and this has to be a step forward again I don't think the box are in a bad space um I, I think it'd be quite bullish to expect a victory in in Auckland I, I mm. hope it'd be a very close game and obviously we'd hope the box would win but um if we have to look at predictions then um I'd say Probably the box will come close. It will be a three-point mm. game. Yeah. But I'm going to sit a bit on the fence on this one but um, and hope for another Chisholm Colby or uh, Herschel Yankees glory moment 
Yeah, even think back to uh, to, to what's it? Uh, not Bola Karate, um, Ricky January. Ricky January, Ricky yeah. January's moment. That way back the then. The way that ball bounced and sat on his belly, it is just yeah, yeah we, uh, we, stuff we, of legend. Because that, that just makes it so much better when it's such a close game and you yeah. win in that last moment. So yeah. hoping for one of those, I'm going to back the box, but it'd be I think it's going to be extremely close. Yeah, I, th- I think it will be close, but um, I'm t- as I said earlier, I just hope that the goal kicking. I mean, you only need to miss one or two for it to really bite you. Yeah. Uh, and you don't see, especially if he plays Richie Mwanga missing too many. So yeah, I, I think three, four points. That's it. Yeah, I hope I hope the Bok bomb squad's going to monster them. I, I really do. Mm. But all black teams don't normally get monstered, and, and it's mm. going to be an extremely close and ex- interesting game. And I think we we'll all be glued to our TVs with a with maybe a glass of wine at nine thirty in the morning. Well, if it says Seven Springs, um, let's hope Seven Springboks <laughs> get get onto the score sheet. Yeah, that should be good. Uh, well, that's it for this as for this week. Uh, I think tune in again next week. We're going to do the aftermath of the test, and I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk about. And I'm sure. Either Michael Cech or Eddie Jones will give us a couple of quotes for for the pod.